Thank you guys um, so much. It really is an honor and a privilege to be back here at Bethesda. And we were coming here to see Abby and uh, my brother lives in Dallas and we drove up to Oklahoma for a few days to see Linnell's family. And as Brent said, I text pastor, I told pastor jokingly, I said, next time I'm coming to town, I'm gonna text you on Sunday morning. Um, because this hasn't been a vacation for me because I've been thinking about sharing with you um, this entire time, uh, this whole week. But we love you, Bethesda. I just, I want you to know that um, the feeling is mutual. Um, thank you so much for your, your love, just sharing here a moment ago with us and our family. Um, Malachi and Lily are doing great in Illinois. Um, the church is going great there. Linnell works in the school there at the church. Abby's still down here in Texas. She's in Waxahachie. She's going to Southwestern um, and majoring in church leadership. And so our family is doing great. God has answered our prayers and your prayers, um, but we do. Bethesda, you have a special place in our heart and in our lives, and we love you so much. And it really always is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to share with you. Now, speaking of Southwestern, so back in August, um, Linnell and I, we, we brought Abby down, we flew her down and uh, got her set up all in her dorm rooms and Linnell and I actually graduated from Southwestern. Uh, we both attended there and had a great uh, four years that we attended and after we graduated we got married. But walking through those dorm rooms, I was having flashbacks. Um, and the majority of my meals came out of this right here. How many of you knew? How many of you can guess what's in here? Exactly, thank you so much, ramen noodles. It's a meal within itself. Um, and I remember giving plasma in Dallas and getting $50 every time I gave plasma because I was a poor college student. And then buying as much ramen noodles as I possibly could um, to feed myself that week. And so I grew up as a college student on ramen noodles and I love it because it only takes two or three minutes you pour water in here put it in the microwave and you have a meal of champions within minutes right <laughs> but then the other thing that I remembered and I do miss this about Texas and I know this isn't an official smoker or a grill but Pastor Dan raised me right he he told me to always go to Rudy's whenever I was in Fort Worth and so I, I listened to his advice now what I brought in here is, how many of you like burnt ends? Anyone in here like burnt ends? Okay. If you don't, the Lord will forgive you later. <laughs> but I went to Rudy's and I got some burnt ends and some brisket. Now the thing about brisket and burnt ends, and I'm not gonna take a bite of this right now because then I'm gonna have to drink a whole thing of water to clear my mouth out to speak. But um, these are one of Pastor Dan's favorites actually, brisket and burnt ends. And so the, the thing about brisket is, it takes anywhere between eight to 12 hours, sometimes more to smoke a brisket. All of you guys that are smokers or grillers, I don't mean this smoking, okay, but um, you know that it takes a lot longer to make brisket than it does to make ramen noodles. And the whole reason that I bring that up is because probably your best meal and my best meal did not come out of a microwave. Now, I'm not talking about Thanksgiving dinner because I know you warm those up in the microwave and they're almost as good as it was the first time. But the best meal, think about that for a minute, the best meal you ever had 
the best meal that I've ever had has not come out of a microwave, has it? It, it probably took some time. It probably took some preparation. It, maybe you had to marinate it. Maybe you were smoking. Maybe it took several hours to prepare. But your best meal, my best meal, it actually took some time to make. And, and if you guys remember the 80s commercial, good things come to those who wait. See, you remember that. Heinz did it right, okay? You remember that commercial. Good things come to those who wait. And, and we don't like waiting. There might be some of you in here who that's your love language is waiting. When you go to the store, you don't look for the express line. You look for the line that's the longest all the way back to the aisles. And you want to make sure that the person in front of you is writing a check, not a debit card. Why? Because you love to wait. And many of you, you don't take the expressway. Why? Because you want to sit in hours and hours and hours of traffic right out here because you like to wait. Some of you, you still don't have high-speed internet. You still have dial-up internet because you love how long it takes for the screen to fill. You've got mail. <laughs> right, you, you love waiting. Pastor Michael, how much longer is this sermon gonna be? I'm almost done, I promise. Why? Because we don't like to wait. We, we live in a culture where it's Instagram live, Facebook live. We don't want to have to wait in line at a restaurant, so we have Uber Eats now. If you don't like Amazon Prime where you have to wait for two days, now you can have Amazon now, and they'll deliver to your doorstep within two hours. If you don't want to have a meaningful relationship filled with love and respect and kindness and commitment, you can get on Tinder, you can get on Grindr and swipe right and tap twice. Why? Because we don't want to wait. We live in a culture, we live in a society where we do not like to wait. Isn't it true? And if we're not careful, I think that this can start to slip into our faith. This can start to slip into our relationship with God. Because we expect to pray on Sunday and have the answer on Monday morning. Why? Because we don't... <laughs> We don't like to wait. And if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Jesus, if someone dragged you here or they promised you lunch afterwards and, and you're not sure about this whole church thing, Jesus thing, God thing, I, I'm so glad that you're here and I hope that you keep coming back. But you know that this is true. Even if you don't believe in God, that, that we as people, we, we don't enjoy waiting. And, and then there's some of you on the other side of the spectrum this morning and, and you believe in God. You believe in the Bible. You, you believe in what his word promises and, and you've actually been praying. And you've been waiting on God. And you're still, your kids haven't come back to faith yet. And you raised them the way that God told you to raise them. And, and you brought them to church. And you tried to love them and honor them. And, and, and raise them in the ways of the Lord. But they're, they're not following God. There, there's some of you who've you've been praying. And, and I remember praying with you. And you've been dealing with chronic pain in your physical body. And every time there's an anointing service on Sunday nights, you're the first one in line. Every time these altars are open for prayer, for you to receive prayer, to, to receive your healing, you're, you're very first in line because you believe that God can heal you, but you're still, you're still waiting. Some of you are, are single and, and you've done everything right and all of your friends and all of your college roommates and everyone else is married and, and they don't even believe in God or they don't even trust God and and you're wondering, how, how much longer am I going to be single? I, I thought I'd be married by now. I, I thought my finances would look different by now. I, I thought my marriage would look different by now. I, I, God, I thought if I did A, B, C, and D that you were going to do 
one, two, three, and four. I, I thought, God, if I did what you said, I, I thought if I followed your ways, th- then I thought it would be different. But, but God, I'm, st- I'm still waiting. And so here, here's the bottom line. If your internet goes out this morning, if you fall asleep, if you have to leave early, here's the bottom line of what I want to share with you. That God is working in your waiting. That God is actually working in your waiting, even when you don't see it, even when it feels like silent nights, even when it feels like God is absent, he's inattentive, he's uncooperative, that God is actually, he's working in your waiting. And the Bible is filled with example after example after example of men and women who believed God, who trusted God, and many of them even died and passed on while they were waiting for the promise. Because they weren't waiting for Santa Claus to come on Christmas Eve. No, they were actually waiting for the Messiah to show up. And for hundreds and even thousands of years, the the people of Israel, the, the Jews, they would wait patiently because all the way back in Genesis, God promised, hey, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send someone to deliver you. I'm gonna send someone. And he's gonna rise with healing in his wings. And if you'll wait, you'll, you'll see the fulfillment of my, my promise. And so as we're stepping into this Christmas season, as it's the first day of December, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to Luke chapter one. We're gonna be at the very beginning of Luke. If you're new to scripture, the Bible's broken up into two Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're gonna be in not Matthew, Mark, but Luke, the third gospel in the New Testament. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. But Luke shares with us this story of two individuals who were waiting on God. And this is what Luke says. He says it this way. Luke chapter one, verse number five, it says, in the time of Herod, the king of Judea. Now, this is the King Herod who had all the boys who were two years old and younger killed in Bethlehem because he was afraid because he had heard that there was a king of the Jews that had been born. This is that Herod. During his time, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were preacher's kids. You know those crazy kids that are running up and down the hallway, running up and down the stairs. He was, they were one of those. They were the priests. They, they were the children of a long, long line of Levites who, who would go and serve the Lord inside of the temple. So Zachariah's parents, his father, he was a priest. And Elizabeth's dad, he he was a priest. And and Luke goes on to tell us this. And they were, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So these two individuals, if you sent a private investigator to follow them around, If you looked at the way that they treated people, their neighbors, strangers, if you looked at the way that they they loved God, that they loved others, you looked at the way that they were generous and willing to share their possessions with others, you would have said, wow, these two got it right. And if you would have asked Zachariah and Elizabeth, hey, what are the greatest commands? If you boil all 600 plus commands of God down, they would have said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commands commands. They, they had figured it out. They were blameless and righteous. 
And, and if you were to ask Zachariah and Elizabeth, hey, how's that working out for you? Being blameless and righteous. Luke tells us this, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And, and what you have to understand in this culture and this time, women, if you couldn't have a child, you were considered cursed by God. You must have done something wrong, and it never was the man's fault, right? We didn't have the medical technology that we have now. So it was always the woman's fault. It was her fault that she couldn't have any kids. And, and the whispers that Elizabeth no doubt heard around the city, yeah, that's Elizabeth. Yeah, I know her husband's a priest, but you know she doesn't have any kids, right? You, you know she, she doesn't have any children. There must be something wrong with Elizabeth. And they were both well <laughs> advanced in years. So they're past their 20s. No doubt they probably prayed during their 20s, God, we want to have a child. Their 30s they prayed. Their 40s, just for laughs, maybe they prayed even into their 50s, God, would, would you give us a child? Because they were well advanced in years. And, and if you asked Elizabeth and Zechariah, what are you holding on to? They would have said, we're holding on to a promise that God made to Abraham. That the whole world will be blessed through the nation of Israel. That God made a promise to Abraham thousands of years ago that through your family, the world would be blessed. And, and Abraham had children and, and Moses delivered the children of, Egypt, or of Israel out of Egypt. And then we had King David who was one of the greatest kings of Israel. And then when Solomon ruled... It says that kings and queens and leaders from all over the world would come to ask Solomon about his wisdom because Israel was a national player on the world stage. And so the nation of Israel was blessed, but after Solomon, it split and went sideways. And church, think about this for a moment. From Malachi to the Gospels, it's 400 years of silence. There's no prophets. There's no message from the Lord. And think about it for a second. The United States of America, we as a nation, we're barely, we're not even 250 years old yet. And the nation of Israel for 400 years are waiting for a Messiah. And many of the, the Jews, they walked away from their faith. They're like, it's a fairy tale. It's a myth. I don't even know if there is a God. And, and maybe if there is a God, he, he doesn't care about Israel anymore. We, we're done but Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're holding on to the promise that God is working in their waiting. And listen to this. He, he goes on. Once Zach, when Zechariah, in verse number eight, Zechariah's division was on duty. He was serving as priest before God. And he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, what you have to understand is there's about 23 groups of priests and this is called spiritual Yahtzee. How many of you guys remember Yahtzee? Anyone? And they roll the dice. <laughs> Lucky sevens, right? They roll the dice. And, and the Bible says that they cast lots. They roll the dice and the dice land on Zachariah's group. And then they pick up the dice, they roll them again. And it lands on Zachariah's number. And then he is picked to go inside of the temple to burn incense before the Lord. This is a special occasion. This is an honor. This is a privilege. Sometimes it would only happen one time in a priest's life. And Zechariah is chosen, and it says, and when the time for burning incense came, all 
the assembled worshipers were praying outside and then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense and when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear but the angel said to him and this is what the angels always say, do not, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Because every time someone in the Bible sees an angel, they're afraid. Because angels are big and powerful and many people, when they saw an angel, they thought they were seeing God for the very first time. So they would fall down on their faces or they would fall down like dead men because they saw this powerful angel. And I'm not trying to throw any shade on your angel story, okay? But when people tell me about their angel experience, most of the time I'm like, because they're like, hey, yeah, we had a conversation for about 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't know if that was a biblical angel. Maybe it was the pepperoni that you ate the night before. I'm not sure, okay? And, and if you're upset about my angel comment, please email me at jdanielsmith.org, okay? Because Pastor Dan would love to answer all of your angel questions, but I digress. Okay, here we go. So he, he goes on to say this. The angel said to him, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will call him John. Now, this is the famous John, not John the Methodist, John the Baptist. Exactly. You guys know this is John the Baptist. This is his mom and dad are, are Zachariah and Elizabeth. And, and so he's, Zachariah is in there and, and this angel appears to him and he says, your prayers have been heard. How many of you, I would just like that. W wouldn't you like to know, God doesn't even have to answer my prayers. Just the fact that he's heard my prayers and he's sending me the message that your prayers have been heard, Michael. Your prayers have been heard, Zechariah. You're going to have, you're going to have a son. And he will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord, their God. Why, why would he have to bring them back? Because Israel was like, we're done. It was great for my parents. It was great for my grandparents. It was great for Abraham. It was great for Isaac and Jacob, but, but I, I don't know if I, I, I prayed and God still hasn't answered. I'm, I'm still waiting, but John is gonna bring him back. And Zechariah has a, a great question, which all of us probably would have at this moment. This is what Zechariah says. He says, Zechariah asked the angel, how, how can I be sure of this? And men, he's getting ready to be very diplomatic, so take notes. I'm an old man and my wife, um, she's well along in years. Zachariah's like, hey, I heard this kind of stuff gets written down when people talk to angels, so I'm not taking any chances. If Elizabeth hears this later, I'm old, she's well along in years, right? Zachariah's asking a very legitimate question. How in the world can we have kids? We, we've waited all this time, and now that we're old, you're, you're going to give us a child? And you're not just going to give us a child. You're telling me he's going to bless all of Israel and, and he's going to be very key in bringing people back to have a relationship with God. How in the world can this be? And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to you to tell you 
this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true and church this is my favorite part at their appointed time hold on Gabriel time out for a second so you're saying God knew this Gabriel, you're saying God had this date marked on his calendar? You're saying that these 400 years of silence, Gabriel, God, this was all part of his plan? And church, check this out. In 65 BC, Pompey the Great, a Roman general, marches into Jerusalem. He walks into the temple. He goes up into the Holy of Holies where no one was allowed to go except the high priest once a year after he did all of these ritual things. And Pompey the Great walks in. He rips the curtain from side to side and he walks in and he looks around and he says, Yahweh, what God? And he laughs and he walks out and nothing happens. And many of the Jews believe if you walked into the Holy of Holies without being invited, you would be struck dead. And now the rumors being spread around Jerusalem and all of the Roman Empire. Jupiter, the god of the Romans, he's greater than Yahweh, the god of the Jews. And Zechariah was a little boy in 65 BC, and no doubt his dad told him that story. And he probably ripped his robes, his dad did, and wept because the temple of the Lord had been desecrated by Roman, by Gentile. And Zechariah is saying, God, this was all part of your plan? That the Romans, the Greeks, the Persians, the Babylonians, that they would conquer us and that we would live like exiles in our own land? This was part of your plan, God? And Gabriel says, Zechariah, God is working and you're waiting. And even when it doesn't make sense, God is working. And I love this next part. It says, meanwhile, the people are waiting outside wondering what in the world's going on with Zechariah in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak and they realized he saw a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. And this is like the first charades in the Bible, right? He's like... Angels in the outfield, no. What to expect when you're expecting, no. And he's trying to communicate and everyone's like, what was he drinking in there? <laughs> Samuel, what did you put in his, on the table? Zachariah, what's wrong with you? But Zachariah had seen a vision from God. And he goes home. And men, listen to this. When his time of service was complete, he returned home. And after this, his wife became pregnant. Men, he couldn't talk. So he puts on the eight track right? <laughs> when a man loves a woman, and Zachariah's just dancing with Elizabeth, can't keep his mind on nothing else. He'd give up the whole world just to, you guys remember that song? No, just me. So men, there's a little bit Zachariah's got mad game. He's a player. You should take notes. This is in the Bible. It's awesome. So Elizabeth, she becomes pregnant. And listen to what it says. The Lord has done this for me, Elizabeth said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. 
And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel back, Gabriel the Nazareth, to a town in Galilee to the virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Church, this is our story. This is so relatable to me and to you. Because in our lives, we're waiting on God. There's many of you in here that you've prayed with tears in your eyes, asking God, God, how long? How much longer must I wait? How much longer? It seems like everyone else at my workplace, they're getting ahead. And they're doing it not in a way of integrity or character. They're getting ahead, God, and I'm not getting ahead, and I'm still trying to be a man or a woman of integrity at my workplace. God, how much longer do I have to wait? There's some of you, you've been waiting in your marriage, and you still attend here, and your spouse doesn't attend with you. And you've been praying, and you've been praying, and you've been asking, and you've been asking, and you've been setting an example at home, but they're still not coming to church. They still haven't made a decision to follow Jesus and you're still waiting and you're saying, God, how long? How much longer? Do, do I stay in this marriage or do I leave? What, what do I do? Do I stay? Do I go? Students, there's many of you and, and you ask yourself, everyone else at school cheats. Everyone else at school takes shortcuts. Everyone else, everyone else does it this way. Why am I holding on to my integrity? Why am I holding on to my character? Why, why do I feel like I have to obey what the Bible is saying? Why do I do this? I'm not getting ahead. Everyone else is ahead. Why don't I just take the shortcut? And church, here's my question. What are you willing to forfeit because you're not willing to wait? What are you willing to forfeit? Your character? Your integrity? Your reputation? What no one else sees, God sees. And what are you willing to forfeit? Because it would be easier, it would be easier, it would be faster, it would be quicker, it would be more convenient. Why should I keep waiting? And the Bible reminds us, this story reminds us that even when we don't see it, even when it feels like God's not working, that he's working in your waiting. And if you will be patient. If you will say, God, what Job said, even though you slay me, yet will I trust you. God, I'm going to trust you. Even though this doesn't make sense, even though I can't figure it out, even though everyone else is moving faster than I am, even though it feels like I've been waiting forever, I'm still going to wait, God, even though you slay me. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were willing to wait. It looked like they weren't, their prayers were not going to be answered. It was way too late for them. But they said, God, we're still going to serve you. I'm still going to offer up a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to worship you. I'm still going to thank you because God, even though I can't see it, I know that you're working it out for my good. God is working in your waiting this morning, church. I want to ask Pastor Brynn and the worship team to go ahead and come up. There's that song that we sing. It's a very famous song, Oh Holy Night. And and listen to these words. I, I love this. It says, long lay the world 
in sin and error. And here's a word we don't use very much anymore, pining. That word's waiting. And you know this from Romans. Paul says, it's like the earth, it's groaning. There, there's this waiting, there's, there's this pining of God. We know that you're gonna work even, even though we don't see it right now, even though it feels like the world is wasting away that God, you're doing something special. You're doing something brand new in our lives. And so church, I just wanna close this in prayer and then Pastor Brent will lead us in a closing song here. But if just for a moment, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes just out of respect for the people around you. If you're here this morning and you would just say, Michael, that's me. And some days, Michael, I feel like throwing in the towel because it's just too much. I, I don't want to wait anymore. I, I feel like walking away from the church or walking away from faith or, or walking away from whatever it is. And, and maybe that's you this morning and, and you're sensing that, you're feeling that. And, and you just would like for me to pray with you in this concluding prayer just to say, Pastor Michael, will you ask God, can we agree together for him to give me the strength to continue to persevere, to continue to wait? Even when it's not popular, even when I don't feel like it, you can slip your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. You can put your hands right back down. Thank you so much. Up in the balcony, I see you. Thank you, guys. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for preserving this story for literally hundreds and thousands of years to remind us, God, that you're working in our waiting. And so many times, God, we feel like we can't take another step. We feel like we can't move forward anymore. We feel like, why am I even doing this anymore? Why am I holding on to my righteousness? Why am I holding on to my integrity? God, I pray, would you give us the wisdom to understand what we heard today? And God, then the next step, would you give us the courage to actually walk with you, to actually fulfill the calling and the purposes and the plans that you have on our lives. And God, for every man, for every woman, for every student, for every young adult that raised their hand this morning, God, lift them up. Lord, I speak that verse in Isaiah over them. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will fall and they will not faint. So God, I speak that over them today. Your life, your strength, your joy, your provision, your promises, God, that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Bless your people this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.